Hello, and welcome to episode 174 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the suffocating cloud you can't escape. This week we're going to be talking about The Matrix Revolutions on your It Was Inevitable podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vos. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Vos. Yay! So, yeah, Twitter! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't often go partway into a franchise. We don't. We, we try to watch all of a franchise. Uh, but you have seen the first two. I had seen the first two, so we decided mm-hmm. to stick the third one here. Okay. Uh, so we're doing the third one now, and we did have a discussion about the first two because there was a lot of chat that we thought we should get out of the way mm-hmm. that's worth diving into so it doesn't clog up talking about this film as its own piece. Yes. So we released on last week on Patreon, there was an exclusive discussion all about the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded. So if you support us, uh, all our supporters can go and listen to that from $1 a month. So if you want to listen, please do go and support us. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash gushing, where we do extra shows and bonus shows and physical merch and all sorts of exciting things. And this month, a cool discussion about The Matrix, where we got quite deep into the philosophy, listening back to it. Oh, okay. So you enjoyed mm. listening back to that conversation? Mm. Like, okay, that's cool. You know, a lot of stuff about the architect and about choice and about themes and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. I think, I think you know, some good stuff that we're going to pick up today. And it's made me really pleased we had that discussion so that today we can go, right, we talked about the themes, we said this was themes, what are the themes here? And move on. Okay. It's good. So, do you want to tell us what The Matrix Reloaded is about? Or do you mean The Matrix no? Revolution? Do, do you want to tell us what The Matrix Revolutions is all about? I stole this from IMDb because, I mean, in reality, it's just the end of the matrix franchise it's how the story plays out but imdb says the human city of zion defends itself against the massive invasion of the machines as neo fights to end the war at another front while also opposing the rogue agent smith yeah it's it's really hard because there is a lot of plot in this but actually there's not much plot in this there are a lot of moving parts in this but not necessarily Mm. a lot of plot that's a very nice way to say it see what i did there <laughs> um yeah yeah do you want to give a, a very quick thing of why you didn't return to watch this one having watched one and two i'm i hope that i'm gonna say the same thing now that i said in our patreon <laughs> conversation i don't remember what i said there but i think it's because at the time i just wasn't interested enough like mm-hmm. i had heard from a lot of people in the circles that I kind of traveled around in, that the Matrix ended disappointingly, mm-hmm. that two and three weren't that great. I saw two, wasn't that excited about it, and so I just never found the time to go back to do three. Yes, that is what you said. Okay, great. That's what happened. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is very fair. And I and just if anyone hasn't heard that, I'm the other end of the spectrum. 
I was all over this. I bought an Xbox to play the Xbox game. I went to the cinema to see Dreamcatcher to see the Animatrix thing in front of all these. Um, you bought a DVD player just so you could watch the I bought DVD. a DVD player so I could get the first one on DVD. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm a little into the Matrix. Matthew's a nerd. Well, yes. <laughs> we knew that already. I know, but I just um, like pointing it out every time we get more evidence. And, and I, let's throw out something about the names here. I hate the names of these films. Reloaded. I think they're going for a whole kind of gun and software thing. You load software and you load a gun. Maybe, but Reloaded doesn't mean anything. Revolutions doesn't tie into anything that happens in this film. No. Maybe it's about the cyclical nature of it, but this is breaking that cycle, so... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, the names. Yeah, and clearly, I get you know, it doesn't even speak to that this is two and this is three. There's nothing to this that says this is the last in the trilogy. Right. Anyway, The Matrix Revolutions is the third film in the Matrix franchise. It was released in 2003 and filmed concurrently with the second film, The Matrix Reloaded. It was written and directed by the Wachowskis, starring Keanu Reeves, Hugo Weaving, Lawrence Fishburne and Carrie-Anne Moss. The film was not received well by critics. Some rated it higher than the second film, however generally felt that the strong characters and philosophy of previous installments were missing in place of cgi fueled action scenes. The story after this is continued in The Matrix Online, an MMORPG that ran for four years, and a fourth Matrix film is now in production. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I mean, as a Destiny fan, you would love reading the stuff that happened in The Matrix Online. Can you like went... Can you give me just a rundown? Like, is it, one, is it canon? It has always been canon. Whether the film will treat it as canon, I don't know. I mean, the Wachowskis did say, you know, yes, this has inherited the story. Okay. So you end up with several camps, several different groups of people. You have the Zionists, Zion, Zionites, whatever they're called. You have the machines. You have the Merovingians group. You have some other people. Neo crops up occasionally. As like, oh, there's been a sighting of Neo. The same with Trinity. Um, I think Morpheus gets assassinated at some point and the Merovingian hired someone to do it. So there's a whole war that breaks out. And at some point the Matrix gets reloaded to an earlier version of the Matrix, I think. The nightmare version of it. And Okay. You know, as, as you know with Destiny, like, oh, there's suddenly a new place to explore. Or suddenly right, the world right. is slightly different. Or there's a new race or something. Or new powers, this kind of thing. Um, they did a lot of that work. So, but Neo's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But also integrated into the machine, so. All right. And, you know, also Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> Fair enough. All right, fair enough. Um, How did you watch this? Because you've watched all three now. Are all three available somewhere? So all three were on Netflix. We watched the first one on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Two days later, we went to watch the second one. No. Which turned out to be July 1st, and none of them were on Netflix anymore. <gasps> Netflix, no. Yes, I was so disappointed. I was like, this is great. They're all on Netflix. I don't have to worry about it. And we just happened to like cross months and July 1 is when they all left uh, Netflix here in America. But Joseph does own them all. So we just swapped over to uh, his his stuff and watched them that way. Okay, cool. I Um, assume you can rent them on Amazon or something. Oh, you can rent them. They are available on Sky Cinema over here. Um, they're pretty much always on there. I do own them, but admittedly, I don't have an HD DVD player. 
So it's a little bit hard to watch my HD DVD versions of The Matrix. <laughs> they won't play in the Xbox? It's not an HD. It's a Blu-ray player, not an HD DVD player. I just assumed that Blu-ray players could do that. Uh, no. So basically there were, there were two technologies. If I say Betamax and VHS, does that okay. mean anything to you? Yes. Yeah, that, that thing happened with HD DVD and Blu-ray. And eventually Blu-ray won and HD DVD was not made anymore. And oh. I backed the HD DVD camp. So I have these very nice HD DVDs of this and Star Trek, the original series, season one. And you cannot watch them. And I can't, Well, they, they have DVD on one side and HD DVD on the other side, which is why I've kept them. But also I don't want to watch the DVD version. I want to watch the <laughs> HD version on Sky Cinema, frankly. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It's, these are films I will buy when there's, you know, new formats that I can play of each thing. So I'll always upgrade them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about experiences. Uh, the directors, the Wachowskis, Keanu Reeves, Hugo Weaving is probably the other big star in this. So the Wachowskis, apparently I've only ever seen The Matrix. Oh, really? Yes. I have not seen V for Vendetta. Mm. I've not seen Cloud Atlas. I've not yet seen Jupiter Ascending. (sighs) I did not watch Sense8. Sorry, I fell asleep just thinking about Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Have you seen Speed Racer? You didn't mention Speed Racer there. I've not heard of it. Oh, Speed Racer's awesome. We should definitely watch that sometime. Okay. Just color. In your face, just for two hours. Okay. It's amazing. Um, Keanu Reeves. Hey, have you ever heard this guy, Keanu Reeves? You know, I think maybe we talked about Keanu Reeves a lot back in September. Mm. Was it September? No, it was November. It It was one of the months... On either side of October, because we either started or ended with the Dracula. <laughs> the I think Dracula. we ended with Dracula, so I'm going to go with September. Because <laughs> we did a whole did... Keanu Reeves month. We did Keanu month. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I'm assuming the Matrix was like the reason that he ended up doing John Wick. I mean, who knows? But also possibly yes. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, Hugo Weaving is Elrond. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Red Skull. Okay. That's what I know him from. I don't know that right. I've actually seen anything else. So you've not seen The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? No. Okay. We should death force that. Have you seen Babe? Yes. Ah. He's the male sheepdog in Babe. I don't remember there being a male sheepdog in Babe, but I'll take your word for it. He's the one who is told how to... The Babe tells him how to control the sheep. Mm. Okay. Mm. Not to spoil the end of Babe in case no one's seen the end of Babe. But. Um, well, he sees another dude who rocks up in lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yes, he only has two or three that he's very famous for. Yeah. I mean, The Matrix and Lord of the Rings are the ones. Yes. I mean, it is, like, I've not listed anyone else, because there's a lot of people in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lawrence Fishbone doesn't get much to do. Carrie Ann Moss gets something to do, but not huge amounts. Bane has, obviously, is a thing. Jada Pinkett Smith is in here. But there's no one else I'd pull out other than those two, really. 
Except it's worth mentioning Bruce Spence as the train man. <laughs> because he is in The Matrix. He's in Star Wars. He's in Lord of the Rings. I think he was in Farscape. He's in two Mad Max movies. This is an Australian actor who gets put in everything. <laughs> I okay. I have no idea who he is, but I'll take your word for that too. Yeah, he does. He does lots of really good sort of under under prosthetics work. He's the mouth of Sauron in the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Who comes out and is like, ah, oh, we found the halfling. Exactly like that. The halfling was dear to thee, I see. <laughs> okay. If you want to hear about the previous two, you should probably go and listen to our Patreon exclusive thing. Mm-hmm. Throw us a, a buck. Go and listen to it, please. It's a fun Always conversation. Always nice to be supported. Did you enjoy The Matrix Revolutions? Less than I enjoyed the previous two. Oh, interesting. I okay. was very disappointed with mm. this one. What disappointed you? I think it's partly because I don't entirely understand what they were trying to do with it. Okay. And and the ending. Okay, we can dig into that. Um, Anything else? To be fair, I also watched this with a massive headache, and so that may have oh, colored man. my perception of it just a little bit. Okay. But I... I, I think that's it. I just I didn't understand this one. It didn't go in the direction in any of the directions that I expected it to go. And mm-hmm. then the way okay. they resolved it doesn't entirely make sense to me. And it didn't okay. answer any of the questions that I raised from <laughs> okay. number two. Yeah, you yeah, knew yeah. that was going to happen, and you just sat there and let me ask those questions. And like, yeah. I'll feel better after I watch the third one. It'll be fine. And no, they didn't even talk about that stupid stuff. Um, okay. You know how I mentioned The Matrix Online? Yes. That that was announced before this film came out. Okay. Which, for me, ruins it. If you go into this film knowing they are going to try to continue this in a new World of Warcraft-type game, mm. they can't destroy the machines, they can't destroy the Matrix, and they can't fundamentally, oh, you know, trash yeah. this world. So I was like going in, going, okay, th- somewhere this, uh, and it is, this will end up as a score draw. This is yeah. the machines two, Scion two. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. I didn't know that, so mm. no, no, I absolutely. expected somebody to win, right? It's almost disappointing because you want the end of it to be mm-hmm. the destruction of the Death Star and the death of the Emperor, the destruction of Sauron and the burning of the One Ring. You know, yes. The end of a trilogy should have that sort of climax, and it doesn't. And it's because they had their eye on a franchise they could. Mm. Mm. That's disappointing. Yeah. That's my cynical view. And I suspect it might be the right one as well. Um, Okay. We talked a lot about the architect scene in number two. Which for me is the core of the franchise. That's the bit that explains the nature of the one, the cyclical nature of all this thing. They don't Everything going on. go back to it at all, hardly, in the no. third movie. Like, they don't talk about the cycle anymore. Mm-hmm. Because, and I understand it's because the third movie takes place after the cycle's been broken. I get that. Mm. But. <sighs> I just, I wanted more. Like, I still want to know more about the cycle. Um I think the cycle is over and done with. Joseph thinks the cycle is still going to start back up one day. 
Okay. Um, and I, I can't have that thought because I don't have enough information. They didn't give me enough information. Okay. It, Did you go back and rewatch the architect scene? No. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and at some point, watch it and we'll, we'll have a chat, you know, we'll have a chat offline or we'll do a live, like, Matthew and Mandy argue about the Matrix. Um, <laughs> cause, cause yeah, well, because right. I will tell you. It doesn't come to anything. My, the thing that, that we have the difference of opinion about on whether or not mm-hmm. it's Neo every time or not, and I think it is and you think it's not, my opinion mm-hmm. did not change on that. And, Based and I on what I saw it in the third one, matters. I, you know, maybe it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The outcome, maybe. Um, but yeah, the disappointing aspect of it is you get this massive revelation in the second one, and he doesn't tell anyone. There's no discussion of it. There's no thing that that decision, his decision there, and this revelation that they finally learn that they've never learned before, doesn't influence what comes out of it. And wouldn't it have been cool if learning about that thing allows them to? come to this you know, and, and mm-hmm. there is this agreement at the end and it's a good agreement that the machines will continue with the status quo but if a person rejects the matrix they are freed and they are sent to zion mm-hmm. as implied you know right. whatever yeah. happens to them at that point but it's just it's a it's almost a throwaway line at the very end of the film yeah and it should have been the film well there just wasn't enough time anymore by the time we got to it because we had such a long fight scene at the dock and a long fight scene with Neo and Smith. Yeah. Let's, okay, let's talk on them. Do, you talked about how you thought your reaction to this was going to be you feel like two and three should have been one movie. Do you feel that way having watched both now? Yes. Okay. Yes. The two long scenes you've just said? Uh Uh-huh. Could they go? Mostly. Mostly. I mean, not entirely, because we have to have a confrontation between Neo and Smith, and we do need to see the machines getting to Zion. Like, it's... You have something invested for the machines to stop in the middle of the attack, so we need Mm -hmm. the attack, but it doesn't need to be a 20-minute long attack. No. And and they could be done at the same time. Again, Star Wars does this really well. You've got... Luke versus Vader, and you've got some sort of space battle going on, and you flick between them. And in fact, that happens in almost every film. And, and it's good. They were going you know? on simultaneously, largely, so they could have. Well, some of it was. Uh, well, they they don't show them simultaneously. No, no, no. You but have I mean, the stuff in... in the dock, and then you have the Neo sequence. It's almost like the way Lord of the Rings is written. Mm. You have the Gondor stuff, and then you have the Frodo stuff. Yeah. Um, I. It's really hard. I, I would throw out a lot of the stuff in the dock. I think it's it, it doesn't mean anything in some ways. Well, it introduced a brand new character who we don't need. <clears throat> Which one? The the commander. Okay. Masin something Masino Misino I don't know his name. But the old commander who I confused with, with Locke, but it wasn't Locke. Yes, yeah. This is it. Now you all know me. So I'll just say this as simple as I can. If it's our time to die, it's our time. All I ask is, if we have to give these bastards our lives, we give them hell before we do! We didn't need him. We didn't need nope. the the moments between him and the kid. 
We didn't mm-hmm. even need the kid back in this one. Kid is an interesting one. Kid is, you remember I mentioned the Animatrix, the animated stories. Mm-hmm. Kid's story is is the title of one of them. And Kid is a guy who, you know, starts figuring out that all this stuff is going wrong and, and is a bit weird and he's in high school. And he manages to make contact with Neo and the resistance and blah, 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 stuff happens. And he ends up really realizing something is wrong, throwing himself out of a window, like on an upper floor of his high school and self-substantiating into the real world. Wow. Like, that's a cool thing, which is why there's this exchange where he says, Neo, you know, you saved me. It's like you saved yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an interesting case. You know, you could, he's not a great character, potentially, but you could follow him. You could do something with his story, him joining the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, and suddenly you've got your new person to teach stuff to and to but explain they things. didn't do that. They gave him this stupid scene of dropping the ammo, getting yelled at by the commander, saying, no, I, I can fight. Let me fight. I've got nothing to lose. The the, the machines are going to kill <laughs> me, me anyway. Chance, coach. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. Yeah. How old are you, kid? 18. Should have said 16. I might have believed that. Okay, I'm 16. Minimum age for the cause, 18. 16 is too young. Machines don't care how old I am. They kill me just the same. That's the goddamn truth. Give me a chance, sir. I won't let you down. You do. And you'll find me and the machines have got something in common. I mean, he made a great point. You know, the machines don't care if I'm 16 or 18. They're going to kill me anyway, Mm. so let me fight. But it had no bearing on the story. Mm. You know, honestly, it would have been better. You know what would have been better? Is if it was Z who got into the hmm. APU and opened the gate. Hmm. That would have been better. A little bit more connection. Yes. But it doesn't connect into the wider world. And they want to connect into the wider franchise animatrix stuff. So People like me don't know about that stuff. Well, no, but they at the time, they were pushing it. Okay. This was, you know, yeah. Um, if you minimize the dock stuff, you don't need the stuff of Niobe piloting the ship all of them fighting on the ship, all of that, that can be thrown out. Yes. And the Smith stuff, I, like, I get the need for the Smith stuff. You need a boss, you know, uh, uh, end of game fight, jump on his head three times and win type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And you need a reason for Neo and the machines to partner up the enemy of my enemy and now there's a guy we can fight together. And And I quite like the resolution that comes to. But the Smith, Turning everyone into Smith is a little weird. I, I don't think that's needed. If it was Smith just erasing people from the Matrix and killing humans or something, doing something interesting like that, like maybe. But it's a bit... Uh, so um, I, I talked to Joseph about this because it was part okay. of me not understanding the end. And he actually gave me an explanation that makes me okay with it. Okay, cool. I just think the fight scene was too long. Oh, yeah. And, um, and we'll talk the fight scene in a sec. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess and there there are some parts of it that I still don't entirely understand. And I think it's just because they never tell us how Smith gains these powers mm-hmm. to be able to do it. But if you look at Smith like a virus that replicates, hmm. then hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, And then the way that he's defeated makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Because that it, how he was defeated did not make sense to me at all. Um, well, the, the the virus thing is quite nice because that's what the agents do. They hop from body to body to body. He's hopping without relinquishing his old body. Mm-hmm. It's got that thing. That's that's fine. 
the fight sequence, I mean, the fight sequence, I actually counted it this time because I was interested. There are five occasions where there is a massive blow that causes giant infrastructural damage, you know, through hurling up bits of the pavement and giant craters and all this sort of thing. And there's four times where they hit each other so hard, there's a shockwave that stops the rain from falling and then the rain starts falling again. It's a cool effect, but by the... by the third time, frankly, and definitely by the fourth time, I'm over it. I'm like, okay, cool. They're just hitting each other hard now. Do you know why they did that? Why did they do that? I think it's because there was that line where Neo was told that Smith was him, was the opposite of him. Mm-hmm. And Un- so they're uh, um, reacting to yeah. each other like two magnets would, right? Like a mm-hmm. negative and a positive. And so that's why you get mm-hmm. the big boom. Yeah. But I agree, but just, it was too many times. It's just they, they can't they can't beat each other, clearly. So they need to be each other somewhere else, some mm-hmm. other way. And and I like the way they beat him. I like the fact that Smith finally takes over Neo and wins. But because Neo is plugged directly into the central machine, the central machine is able to go like, okay, let's delete that bit of code now and just send out the deletion command. Because no one else is plugged into the core machine. It could mm-hmm. never happen. Mm-hmm. But Smith just could not imagine like there being that truce. Mm-hmm. That being the way that he's in there and fighting him. I quite like that. That's quite a nice way to... No, it, well, and it took me a little while to understand um, the the reason that we had the whole scene with Smith taking over Bane and going back into the real world. Hmm. And then Ugh. killing... You were able to kill the Smith in that world. Because you killed Bane, mm-hmm. um, which was setting up having to kill Neo, right? Because Neo dies because Smith has taken over him, and that's mm. how they kill Smith. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a hard time making that connection, though, between killing the Smith that's in his body to killing all the other Smiths, which you just mm. said is because it's the central computer. That's, that's my you know, reasoning for it. I had a, that that piece was one of the very very confusing pieces to me is understanding how that happened or why that mm. happened, but I guess it does make sense because you still end up with the original host is still there. We still we got mm-hmm. the oracle back. We got the little girl back. Yeah, it wasn't just completely eradicated. It was literally just the Smith, quote unquote, virus. Yeah, deleting that line of code. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just it was anticlimactic. Yeah, it it really is. You want that giant celebration at the end, and and I don't get it from the dock fight, them finally launching the EMP. Cause it's like okay, but, uh, the film makes Locke into this giant ass, and it's really annoying mm-hmm. because he's doing the right thing. You know, he says, yes. "I would give everyone a gun, every man, woman, and child in this." thing i would give a gun to yes he's just trying to save the city and then they do hand the dock over yes they save it temporarily but Mm -hmm. but it's always done that he is the one in the wrong and the one that we shouldn't like and it's annoying because it's not true i think they wanted us to want him to want to save the city as a backup and believe Mm -hmm. in neo right Hmm. But in reality, we needed both. 
If Locke yeah. hadn't been there with his troops, the Zion would have been destroyed long before Neo got to the central computer. Mm. And there would be no reason for peace because no, all the humans yeah. would have been destroyed. Like, So we mm. needed Locke to do what Locke did. Yeah. But then the ending of the movie was just... Kid yelling the war's over, the war's over, fade to black. Like, we didn't get reactions from Morpheus. We didn't get to find out that, like, the aftermath of Neo and Trinity dying. We didn't get to see anybody, like, coming together and, like, reintegrating into their lives. Like, none mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. And we should have. It's and really if they frustrating had... as a film. Yes. Mm. And if they had cut out some of that stupid extra stuff, they would have had time to do that Agreed. unless their goal was to get all of that in the game which it sounds like it may have been absolutely that's that that's the end piece me of all this and it's yeah it's it's annoying as a film watcher to be like oh God, i'm not going to play the game i'm going to read the summary on wikipedia later you know yeah yeah mm. that's probably the rant over because <laughs> it's it's frustrating as mm. a film there's way too much cg action stuff yeah and the cg action is fine you know i could live without most of the smith stuff because it's boring the stuff on the dock is interesting because we hadn't seen something quite like that before and mm -hmm. it's it's different from the sort of lord of the rings-esque fights that we were getting at the time true true so at least it's doing that fine let's talk some of the interesting stuff you talked about religious imagery in the first one and it being missing from the second one what do you think about the heavy religious imagery in the third one? They stopped just short of making it too overly heavy-handed because they didn't bring Neo back from the dead. No, true. <laughs> the, we do show him being taken on a chariot into the sun. Yes, that is true. With these sort of glowing wings around him. But, yes, that is and, true. As he's in a crucifix. <laughs> You're not oh, wrong. I I don't know. I think I was just so frustrated with everything that was happening at that point. I wasn't really paying attention. Okay. Got it. Um, um, to that piece. And because it wasn't a consistent through line in all three mm -hmm. movies, it didn't feel like it mattered. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk theme then. Because uh, we had a lot of discussion about theme. Mm -hmm. First film is about belief believing he's the one or not believing he's the one and other people believing that thing, believing in the real world, believing in the Matrix and so on. Um, the second film was about choice, which it doesn't, I don't think, carries off quite as well as it should do, but choice, mm -hmm. you know, there's a bit when, in during the art, art architect scene where he says, the problem is choice. And there's like this deep note, like, dong, like, <laughs> we've hit our theme and we're now going to discuss it sort of right, moment right. thing choice the problem is choice the first matrix i designed was quite naturally perfect it was a work of art do you think there is a theme to the third film i think they tried to mash the two together okay um because they still hit pretty heavily on belief because niobe mm -hmm. gives up her ship right and believes mm -hmm. that Neo can do whatever Neo says he can do. We get the council still kind of trying to fight against Locke a little bit because they're hoping Neo will 
be yep. the one. We get Locke and his belief in troops and guns and yeah, logic yeah. and science. But then we also get things like um, Smith asking Neo why he persists. And Neo says, because I choose to. And that's a big, heavy moment. Why, Mr. Anderson? Why? Why do you persist? Because I choose to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way it's filmed and framed, again, it's like that scene in the architect's office. Mm. Because I choose to. Dun, dun, dun. You know, that, yeah, that's absolutely. what it was. Like, Dude. oh, this, this, they want us to understand this, right? Yeah. And then he chooses to sacrifice himself. Mm. Yes. And, and so it's his it's, choice not to. Mm. It's, it's, it doesn't know. It's not clear. It, it's so much in belief and so much in choice. And and maybe that is a statement all on all on its own, but it felt muddled. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the you would expect the oracle to contribute to the theme as she did in the previous two movies. Absolutely, yes. And there is an aspect of choice. Mm-hmm. For her, because she knows what's going to happen to her. She knows Smith is going to take over, and she allows him to do it. She chooses to do that. But she chooses to do that because she believes Neo's going to succeed, mm-hmm. even though she can't see it. Because she believes he's going to succeed. She says at the end. Did you always know? Oh, no. No, I didn't. But I believe. So it's, yeah, so they're trying to incorporate them. Yeah, they're they're drawing a connection between belief and choice, but I don't right. think that thread is super clear. It's just, oh, we're going to talk about belief a lot. Oh, we're going to talk about choice a lot, and yeah, we're done. And in some ways, belief and choice are are very similar. You believe in something, so you choose to help them. Yeah, it's, you know, a cause and effect thing. I I think. And and you saying that the Oracle was pivotal to it in the first two films, I, I think then the film does have a central theme. I've always said it doesn't, and this is one of its problems, mm-hmm. that it, you know, misses out where the other ones have something. I think it does, as okay. I've been thinking about it over the last couple of days. But I think the film either doesn't know that it does. Okay. <laughs> or it's way too subtle and mishandled. I think the theme is the juxtaposition of machines and people. It is Neo on one side, Smith on the other. It is Zion, and it is the Machine City. It is okay. insect-like. That well, uh, and this goes back to the second film, but it's the insect-like way that the the machines of the Sentinels all come together and they move in a very organic way, like ants. Whilst whilst the the humans, the people, are in these machines that clunk around like robots. Mm-hmm. So you've got them using machines to fight this thing that is becoming organic. Mm-hmm. It's trying to do that, and it it calls back the scene in the second film when, which again is is quite a pivotal scene, but it's utterly thrown away, where the counselor talks to Neo overnight, and he talks to him about you know we're dependent on these machines as machines are dependent on us. Mm-hmm. You know we have control; we could smash them, but then how would we live? How would we get oxygen? Right. So I think it's trying to do th- that. Okay. You know, this this sort of, you know, these are two sides of the same thing. They're so similar. This is why we should have peace. This is why we shouldn't just 
one should destroy the other. You know, that that brings new context to the scene on the train station. Mm. When he's mm. talking to the girl's father. Yes. Um, because, you know, he's talking about love and connection mm-hmm. and karma. And Neo's like, these are human emotions. How How can you, a program, feel them? I just have never heard a program speak of love. It is a human emotion. No, it is a word. What matters is the connection the word implies. And the program says it's just a word. Just a word that sums up this concept. Yeah, yeah. And that is a link between human and machine. And Mm. I I wondered, actually, while watching it, what's the point of the scene? Because I don't understand it. Like, it feels like it doesn't need to be here. But if they're trying to bring that connection i think you're right they did it too subtly and they mishandled it yeah and and the oracle thing then is the fact that she says he is your opposite he's the equation trying to balance itself yeah they focus too heavily on the belief and the choice Mm. but i think i think though that's because it's trying to say both machines and humans have belief and make choices Mm. yeah i Mm. like that yeah, I, I, I've over the last couple of days I've been thinking that like I think this is what it wants to do, but it doesn't know it wants to do it. But now mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe they do know, they just don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah. well. Like it's me having watched it many times over seventeen years. Right, right. No, yeah. <laughs> finally, I... <laughs> tell you what I like about it though. I like that finally the one is not perfect anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the second film, he is perfect. He looks amazing. He's got this gorgeous coat. He has sex with his lover, and they climax at the same time. And it's this amazing scene. And he can stop bullets, and he can fight, and he has the force to call weapons to him. And mm-hmm. you, you know, it's kind of hard to have a character who's that OP. Um, and in this, things do stop him. The train man stops him. He doesn't always understand stuff. And there's bits that like he's running to catch up and try and figure stuff out and. And it works so much better. Mm-hmm. Okay. But th- they've had to introduce a lot to get us to that stage, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. I just didn't like... I guess maybe that's why the train station scene was there. For that and then trying to, to bring the, the that connection. The, it, mm. the, the train station just doesn't make sense to me. In this it's, world. Yeah. Like, it felt like it was an add-on. Like, it was never a part of this world in one and two. And they were like, mm-hmm. we need something else. Let's mm. do a train station. Yeah. You know, it, it just, so it, it didn't make sense. It felt out of place and, like, it didn't belong. Yeah. It, it needed to be a way station holding thing. But train station doesn't feel right. mm Even if, like, a ferry would have felt better or something or... A, but but a train station implies it's coming from somewhere and going to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Rather than a back and forth matrix and the train station. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm, I, I didn't mm. I just didn't like the, the whole train thing. Mm. Um I love Niobe piloting the ship. I mean, they go to the shot at several times of someone says like no one can pilot that ship shot of Jada Pinkett Smith looking intense. Right. <laughs> they yeah. do that over the two films a number of times. Yes. <laughs> but it's cool. It's really good. You know, it's 
it, it's good acting. It's good acting in the same way um, in the first Guardians film. And you've got, is it Michael Rooker? Mm-hmm. As Yondu? Like, there's a bit at the end of him piloting his ship and shooting things. And it's just Michael Rooker in blue makeups, clearly sat in a sort of CG cockpit going... <laughs> Sort of, you know, acting to it. There's the, and in fact, the kind of acting Robert Downey Jr. does when he's supposed to be inside the Iron Man suit. Right. I mean, he's very good at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Niobe's really good at it in this as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can feel the weight of the ship she's steering. It's really good. It's got a fat ass. Talking about the ship, though, and the, and the Marvel Universe, they keep calling the ship the Hammer. The ship's actually called Mjolnir. Really? Like, or say Mjolnir, you cowards. <laughs> Where, why, why is it that? In scripts and all this sort of thing. Oh, really? Well, not like, it's not written, they say it. I, I, all the descriptions of the ships and all the, you know, you look up anything on it. Mjolnir, also called the hammer. <laughs> well, then say the They word. just didn't want to say Moomoo. Moomoo. Yeah. More. But, you know, they had a ship called the Nebuchadnezzar. Come on. Yeah. We All can right. cope with Mjolnir. <laughs> Are there other things that you would like to continue to gush about before I tell you what I liked? Um, Are we saying we're moving into favourites? Yes. Okay. There's, there's two bits in this. Two bits that I w- would defend. If we were remaking this film, two things I would keep. Okay. And and fudge in there somehow. There are two sequences really close to each other. The whole um, flying the Logos to the Machine City. And they go up over the clouds to try and fly over everything. Mm-hmm. And they go above the clouds. And for the first time in her life, Trinity sees the sun. Mm-hmm. And you have the shot of Carrie Ann Moss just like, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then the ship starts crashing and we're back into an action sequence. But it's just this quiet moment that's absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. And then they crash. And Keanu's first reaction, Neo's first reaction, probably Keanu as well, his first reaction is, I wish you could see this. It's like it's made out of light. It's astonishing. Mm-hmm. And again, it's this juxtaposition of the real that she is being able to see with her human eyes mm-hmm. and the machine world that he can see with his one vision. Um, that is beautiful to him, and that I really like. And that that sells me on the the you know duality of machines and people and so on. Okay. But but her enjoying the sun so much and him enjoying the machine city so much, I really like. It. I like the way it's done. Mm-hmm. It and because it's quiet, it's not shouting and calling attention. Right. Hey, this is our theme. We're referencing our theme. Hey, hey, hey. This right, thing. right, Maybe. but. Yeah, they're very nice. The other bit that I would keep, you on the Patreon recording scoffed at me for enjoying that she heals him with a kiss. Yes. That there is wonderful, wholesome mysticism in this thing. Yes. And there is niceness in this hard sci-fi reality with needles going into people and insect-like machines and so on. This film has one of the most wholesome moments of any film ever where... The Oracle and Sati are making cookies, and the Oracle Neo turns up. The Oracle says, "Oh, I was hoping to have these done by the time you were here." Well, they're almost ready. Sati, honey, I think it's time for a tasting. Take the bowl to Sarah and find out if they're ready. Okay. 
Serif, this taciturn martial arts master bodyguard program, who is awesome and takes them into the Merovingian's lair, is the one who gets to taste the cookies to make sure they're ready to bake. I love it's it. It's such a tiny moment. It is. It's so small. But every time I'm like, you can just see that Sati's going to take it. And so it's like, God, I'm always tasting cookies. God, taste a bit of cookies. Oh, needs a bit more salt. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, and I want the continuing adventures of Seraf and Seti setting oh right gosh. what once went wrong in this in the Matrix. You know. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Did you know that? It's wonderful. It's just the idea that this guy who has beaten people up and, and who even gets a joke early on, which is the other thing this film does so much better. This film is fun in places. Mm-hmm. It's making jokes and, and his whole bit of like... There are no weapons allowed in the club. At the bottom of this elevator, there is a coach girl. And if we are lucky, one man will check him weapons. And if we're unlucky, there will be many men. <laughs> it's, it's so cool yeah yeah the film is much more fun and for, for it to be serif who is the lovely like getting to taste the cookies person i love it i adore it brilliant the joke i remember the most is right after keanu is blinded and mm-hmm. he tells trinity well i don't think i'm gonna be driving <laughs> that's so good i that mean it's good. totally out of place because he's had his eyes burned out right but <laughs> But he's okay. But yeah, all the way through, this film is a lot more fun mm-hmm. than 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 the second one. The second one takes itself so seriously, and uh, and this is part of the thing. Neo certainly in that second one acts like a machine. He is much less emotional and much more serious, much more dour with it all. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you get Smith laughing and cracking jokes at people. You should know, Mom. <laughs> Yeah, his whole thing of you know you you made these cookies you set down the plate purposefully on oh, love it. Okay, so how about you? What did you like from the Matrix Revolutions? I really really like that it was two women who saved the day at Zion. Mm-hmm. Like that is awesome like you've got the scene with z and her partner shooting the shells they're the ones who see they're they're persistent in there we can stop this drill if we just go to a different place like, mm. we can stop it with these shells i know we can and then once sh- the one dies and z is left she realizes they need help out there mm. i'm gonna go out there and it's because she goes out there that kid is able to open the gate because yes. she uses the electricity arc gun to keep the to squids off him. of him. Yeah. yeah. So, and then on the other hand of that, we've got Niobe flying that ship, mm-hmm. trying to come in with the EMP. That's amazing that they did that. Like, it's not Locke who saved the day. It's not nope. um, Morpheus who saved the day. In fact, we don't even get Morpheus at the end of this movie. Uh, he, he has a moment where he and Niobe hug and he's like i've imagined this day for so long is it real um and yeah, then she but... she says neo wherever you are thank you yeah okay yeah um i also really really like the actor who plays bane okay because and i didn't look this up is he actually just channeling hugo weaving that much well, or did they adr yeah. hugo weaving 
Um, there's a note here that says he was chosen for the role because of his impersonation of Hugo Weaving. Like, it was spot on. Mm. Like, to the point where I'm sitting here yelling at Trinity and Neo, how can you not see this? <laughs> Like, it's so obvious. He moves like him. He talks like him. His vocal cadence, everything. Mm. Like, like he was spectacular in that role. Yeah. And, and that's, again, a little bit of the thing. They can't imagine a machine in their world in the same way Smith can't imagine the human in the machine city. Yeah, that's but, true. But it, doesn't, but it doesn't call attention to that fact. So Right. Oh. Um, the chap who played Bane was Ian Bliss. Who was in an episode of Farscape? Of cool, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Farscape actors in these. Okay. It it was filmed in Australia, so you know there would be. Ah, got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those are the big things for me. Those are the big okay. moments. The, I mean, the fact that it was two women who do the saving with the rockets and so on, and and then yeah, you got Niobe piloting, you got Trinity piloting. To get him to the machine city. Mm-hmm. You've got the Oracle as the linchpin to it. And and as explained in the second one, the Oracle who is the person who understands how to make all this happen. Right. It's all because of her. And if it's not them, it is Morpheus and Locke and Mifune. It, it's, it is all people of colour as well. Mm-hmm. Except for Neo and Agent Smith and Kid, who are the ones who actually, actually do the things. I, I'm not totally sure the film gets as much credit as it as it should for diversity? having a, a, a diversity in its cast. Yeah, yeah, because it is still the the big moments go to the white men. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's that's fair. That's a fair assessment, I think. But for um, 2003, I, I will give it some credit. Yeah, I think it deserves credit for it. Mm. Mm. We don't see movies with that kind of cast very often anymore? No, true. True, true, true. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about the Matrix Revolutions? I know if you had your way, we would discuss nothing else forever. <laughs> so I'm sure it's been interesting something. talking to you about this in, in this way, talking about it just as one film on its own, because I can talk about the philosophy of the franchise, the trilogy, as a whole piece. Mm-hmm. And and I've, I am enjoying talking about the thing as a whole piece. But talking about it as a film is like, oh, yeah, it's quite disappointing. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Are you pleased to have now watched the third one? I mean, yes, because I am a completionist. And now I know kind of how the story, quote unquote, ends. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't, apparently, because I haven't played the game. <laughs> but, you know. Most people um, didn't. <laughs> But I mean, I, I know how the war ended, and hmm. I guess that's the that right. was the goal. Yeah, I mean, actually, but that wasn't the goal that they started with. They started with the goal of defeating the machines and waking up all the people from the Matrix and not even having the Matrix anymore. And yep. by the end of it, the goal shifted to um. <laughs> For our listeners, there is a beautiful kitten just crawling up the back of Matthew's (laughs) office chair. And now she's just sitting there and looking at us. She has no idea what to do when she gets up there. Nope. Nope. She's going to try to get down. But it's really far for such a tiny kitty. 
Oh, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? She's going to do it. Nope, she's scared. <laughs> Kidding. Like, she could just jump on. Oh, she's going to do it. Nope. Oh, well done. Well done. And now the kitty has jumped off the chair. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so now I I'm completely lost my train of thought. I think I was saying that by the end of the third one, the the goal shifted mm-hmm. to just end the war. That's it. They just wanted yeah. the end the end the war and save Zion. Nobody's even thinking about you know turning off the matrix at that point. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's very easy to set up machines as the enemy. Because mm-hmm. we view it, we go right. They don't have souls. They don't have emotions. We can destroy them as much or as little as we want to. Mm-hmm. But they do a lot of work, certainly in this one. I don't think in the second one necessarily, but certainly in this one with things like the train station and mm-hmm. some of the stuff with the Merovingian and Persephone. Yeah, so maybe some in the second. About there's actually more going on here than just machines continue to exist. The machines are evolving. They're becoming more than they were programmed to be. Right. Yeah. Mm. But that's also in service of a score draw ending where they can then have a computer game that spins off it yeah Mm. so i know that a matrix 4 has been planned but Mm -hmm. with covid it is in production well i'm sure Mm. it's with covid it's probably postponed there there are shots of keanu reeves and carry moss on motorcycles in chicago wow okay Mm. oh that's interesting i'm curious what do you think the fourth one is going to be about I, obviously, I don't know. What do I think? I think it's going to lean into what Joseph was saying, or what you said Joseph was saying, um, about the cycle continuing. Okay. Something more is happening. Maybe a new one appears, or maybe the machines have evolved and now something's happening, or there's a civil war within the machines or something. But there mm-hmm. is, I think, I think it will go back to this cycle nature. How do you think they're going to explain Trinity and Neo being there? I mean, because Trinity's dead, dead. Yeah, Trinity, I don't know. Trinity's the hard one. Neo was plugged into the source when he died. So, so very think... possible for him to appear inside the Matrix. Okay. Mm. So you think his body died, but the rest of him stayed alive? Possibly so. Um, and, in fact, is it possible there's a thing here of your whole idea that each iteration of the one is Keanu Reeves, Thomas Anderson, Neo. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? I have no idea. Hmm. Remember, I'd I had say... no idea what was going to happen in the third one, so I can't possibly yeah. see. I mean, I mean, the only thing I can think of is if they do somehow pick up the idea of destroying the Matrix once and for all. Hmm. But after so many years, I I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting because it's only one of the Wachowskis. It's only Lana Lana. in this one. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I've been meaning to tell you, do you remember the Sex and City episode where Miranda is sleeping with a guy who showers every time they have sex? Yes. Straight away after it. Character's name is Thomas J. Anderson. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And it came out about the same time as this, so. Oh, interesting. As the, the first Matrix. 
Okay. Huh. Mm. Interesting little Easter egg there. Yeah, there you go. Random random thing, just because I'm watching that show at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send an email to us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. As I said at the beginning, we are funded on Patreon by our lovely listeners, and you get exclusive, exciting content such as our uh, very long, very good discussion about The Matrix and The Matrix franchise, and you can hear us talk about movies, you can hear us talk about all sorts of extra things on our bonus shows, and you get early access to shows, and you get physical merch, and all the sorts of things I described. So, if you would like to support us, if you would like to help continue to make amazing shows like this one, you can find out more by visiting patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Shaun of the Dead. Until then, I am Andy Kay. And nothing this week is meant to survive. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.com.